Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Pro Football Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy and I discuss trending topics from around the league, including the Browns' ongoing struggles and Adam Gase's future in New York. We also preview Week 10's matchups and answer fan questions. This is the Pro Football Chase Podcast, a podcast that has featured interviews with Rams wide receiver Robert Woods. 32,000 yards, uh, and you know, last year, unfortunately, I got hurt mid midway in the season, but other than that, just just working and grinding to, to get to this point, and uh, probably broke it with a lot of games left. Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, just the fact that we got a, you know, uh, all pro on the other side of the ball, um, um, so when you got a guy like that, you know, that's who's going to get the main focus. Um, obviously, you know, people start to know my name a little bit after I made a few plays here and there. Broncos offensive guard Ronald Leary. It would either have to be a counter or uh, a pin and pull play when we get on the edge and run. Uh, I think it's always impressive when big guys can get out that stance and move and hit somebody. So In rising stars, Dalton Risner, Charles Amenahu, and Jawan Williams. This is a podcast that offers player perspectives from some well-decorated veterans, including T.J. Hushman Zada. And people will say, oh, well, if that person got a franchise quarterback, uh, look, look at his record, doesn't it tells you he is. Oh, he has a great defense. You tell me a quarterback in the entire NFL that's not Tom Brady that does more with that. Game previews, recaps, and analysis. Turn the volume up. The chase is on, and the chase is live. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into the Pro Football Chase podcast. It's Isaac Sons with you and my co-host, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy. 
It is week 10 in the NFL. Cannot believe how fast time is flying. We're already beyond the midway point. We had our power rankings on last week's podcast. Now we dig into a couple of headline topics, including Cam Newton's injured reserve. And we're looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars, Nick Foles, Gardner Minshew. So before we get into that, Jarrell, how are you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing excellent, man. Um, I'm excited because we're starting to get into the, the meat and potatoes of the season. And uh, everything is moving uh, along as it should be, man. So it's going to be a lot of competition coming down the stretch. That's for sure. It looks like the playoff pictures are starting to heat up a little bit in both the AFC and the NFC. But we're going to go ahead and get going with the Offensive Player of the Week. Who is your pick? Uh, my Offensive Player of Week 9 has to be uh, Christian McCaffrey. Um, what he continues to do for this football team, minus Cam Newton, I understand that Kyle, Kyle Allen is uh, playing at an efficient rate. Um, but what uh, Christian McCaffrey continues to do uh, week in and week out, uh, he had over 150 all-purpose yards last week. Um, he's now second in the, the league in rushing right behind Dalvin Cook. But uh, unfortunately, even with Dalvin Cook's performance last week, his team didn't uh, come up with a win. So this is why Christian gets the nod this week for player of the offensive player of the week. Yeah, what Christian McCaffrey has been able to do is sensational. But for me, I'm going to give it to Raiders running back Josh Jacobs, 24th overall pick of the 2019 NFL Draft. He could not be contained on Sunday against the Detroit Lions. 120 yards on 28 carries, 4.3 yards per carry average, two scores. And here's another feat for Jacobs as he broke Marcus Allen's franchise record for rushing yards for a rookie pushing his total to 740 yards through eight games. But now defensive player of week nine, who's your pick? Uh, I think it was very tough, man. I, I think um, just based off the implications and, you know, what was at stake, um, I'm going to go with uh, safety Marlon, Marlon Mumphrey. Uh, I, I mean, Marlon Humphrey out of uh, with Baltimore. He was an excellent, uh, had excellent play this past Sunday against the, the Patriots, uh, scoring a touchdown, six, to- six tackles total, five solos. Um, and he's been great ever since his acquisition earlier in the season. And um, it was between him and Marcus Peters, man. They've both been playing phenomenal ever since coming over to the Baltimore program and, and getting into that type of culture. And um, it was tough to pick between the two. Uh, but I had to go with uh, I had to go with Humphreys just because of the touchdown. Well, I do have two players, Jarrell, that I have to give the co-defensive player of the week, and I talked about both of them on last week's show, and it's the Chargers edge rushers, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. Ingram, who was playing his second consecutive game since returning from a groin injury that kept him out for several weeks. He had three total tackles, two solo, one-and-a-half sacks, one-and-a-half tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits. And Joey Bosa, his counterpart, four tackles, two solo, one-and-a-half sacks, one-and-a-half tackles for loss, and four quarterback hits. Both players were instrumental in limiting Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to just 184 total yards and 13 first downs. Both those guys were going up against formidable offensive tackles as you got Bakhtiari and Bulaga. But they just took over the game, Jarrell. Absolutely, it was a, uh, it was, <laughs> it definitely was heartbreaking to watch, man. I know that the only thing that really can stop the Packers from really being successful is having a successful pass rush against Aaron Rodgers. If you uh, can can contain him and have him throwing the ball before he's comfortable, I understand that he's the greatest when it comes to, you know, making up things on the fly. But when you have opportunity to, to keep him contained and and uh, don't give him a lot of air to breathe. 
then it makes it it makes it tough for their offense to move and it makes it tough for their defense to continue to get stops. Now for the interesting segment, under the radar players, somebody that is not being talked a lot about on all these platforms, on our podcasts, and around the NFL. Who's that one player for you, Jarrell? Man, so it was funny that you he was your offensive player of the the week uh before at the beginning of the segment. It was uh Josh Jacobson just because of the simple fact that uh, he has the Raiders in contention um, to compete for this division, you know, with the shaky play of the Chiefs and, you know, obviously the uh, the way that the rest of the division has been competing. The Raiders are are, th- are in the thick of it, being four and four, being uh, 500 right in the middle of the road. Derek Carr's play has been in, in increasing and and Jacobs is just giving the Raiders that 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 sense of calm um, when it comes to tough situations, because they're they're in more third and man and manageable situations for Carr to be aggressive in. Um, and it's been it's been a it's been a, a real big benefit for this team, you know, averaging four point nine at yards to carry. Uh, it continues to have a, a calmness for this for this team and in, in, in order for them to progress. And so I think I would give it to him, man. I don't necessarily you know, know if he's on a lot of people's radars. I mean, obviously, you have to scout for him. But as far as, you know, uh, the Raiders and the noise that they've been making consistently, I think, uh, you know, you have to talk about him. Right on. That's a good pick right there, and I'm excited because we'll get to see Josh Jacobs in that offensive line go up against L.A. and Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram on Thursday night. We'll get into that game preview a little bit later here on the podcast. But for me, I'm going to go with Texans outside linebacker Brennan Scarlett. Scarlett registered two sacks, two tackles, one tackle for loss, three quarterback hits during Houston's dominant 26-3 win over the Jaguars. Scarlett, that was his season high for sacks is two, and he got that in one outing in London. He went undrafted out of Stanford in 2016, and he has been Jadavion Clowney's replacement for the Houston Texans, and a lot of people saw the Texans extend Scarlett, and of course you got all the typical NFL fans making fun of Scarlett, saying, who is this guy? He's not going to match Jadavion Clowney. But I got to give it to him, man. He's been productive, and Romeo Cornell has to be ecstatic with the production he's getting from him. Yeah, he's finally got an opportunity to uh, showcase his skills, and I think you know, obviously with the overload to the other players that they have on the team, he's had opportunities to win his one-on-one battles. And at the end of the day, man, that's the name of the game. You have to win more than you lose, and he's taking full advantage of it. Now we get to do some fact fiction for those new listeners to the Pro Football Chase podcast. I had a couple of people message me about the segment. So to explain it briefly, I'll read a statement, and Jarrell and I will discuss whether it is fact or fiction and why. And so this is a cool segment to get into some of the trending storylines in the NFL. The first topic I want to read about is these Cleveland Browns who dropped a stunner to Brandon Allen and the Denver Broncos in what many people believe was a sure win for Freddie Kitchens. So here's a statement, Jarrell, and I'll let you answer this first. The Browns' playoff hopes are crushed following last Sunday's loss to the 3-6 and six Denver Broncos. Wow, as as much as um, I would like to, as much as I would like to give up on them, technically, man, as a competitor, their chances are not crushed. They are still one and zero within their division, and that division win coming over the uh, the division leader at this point in time, the Baltimore Ravens. So, having that one up on this team, they give it gives them hope uh, moving uh, moving along into the future. 
they have three home games uh, upcoming. Um, you know, one this week against the, the Buffalo Bills is very tough. I understand that their defense travels everywhere that they go and they're going to they're going to have to, you know, bring their lunch pail to this type of game. But they have a division game against the Steelers and they have a and they have a, uh, a game against the Miami Dolphins, which is uh, definitely winnable for them. So I think, you know, having the Steelers and um, and you know, within two weeks apart of each other, because after Miami, they come, they go on the road to play Pittsburgh. It gives them an opportunity to have some familiarity with a team. They don't necessarily have to change the scheme if they have an opportunity to win that game at home against Pittsburgh. And I think, you know, uh, against the Buffalo Bills, it's a winnable game. They have the offense. They're playing at home. Josh Allen isn't um, as impressive as a quarterback. He's not going to throw you three, 400 yards every game. And so, you have opportunities there to get them in third and long situations and, and, you know, you're playing at home. And so I think that that would be fiction for them and their dreams being crushed solely because of the simple fact that they're still undefeated in their division. And they have all, they have uh, a lot of ammo uh, coming down the stretch with being at home against a lot of, uh, a few of their, uh, their opponents, especially the Ravens at home. I'm going to say fact to this statement. So I'll pose you drill. And I know, Yes, it's week 10, and it's getting to the backstretch of the season. And, you know, it's hard to sit here and say a team is officially out of the playoffs because it ain't over till it's over. But when you look at the Cleveland Browns, they've lost four straight games, Drill. They went to go play a Broncos team that has a first-year head coach, just traded Emmanuel Sanders. They're a team looking to rebuild. Brandon Allen making his first NFL start, which was his first start since college back in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. And they could not get the victory. And you look at Cleveland, the complexity of this roster. Freddie Kitchen just seems overwhelmed by the strong personalities on his team. You look at the demeanor of Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry. Those guys are not cohesive right now as a unit you look on the sidelines they're all separated they're not discussing plays and pivotal situations of the game and Baker Mayfield himself he has regressed big time under Freddie Kitchens to date Baker Mayfield his 12 interceptions are tied for the NFL lead and his passer rating is over 20 points lower than his rookie season and his 58.7 completion percentage is last in the NFL and so there's a lot of red flags going on in Cleveland and you talked about Buffalo coming to Cleveland on Sunday now the Bills I I get you I agree with you Josh Allen isn't necessarily the quarterback that's going to scare your defensive secondary because he's not going to go off for 300 yards passing But here's why I think Cleveland is going to struggle. It's because this offensive line continues to falter. And going up against all these defensive fronts in Buffalo, they have a strong one themselves. They're going to continue to put pressure on Baker Mayfield. And it just seems like there's not a good vibe going on in Cleveland right now. They lead the league in penalties. And here's the thing, Jarrell. Should Cleveland lose on Sunday against Buffalo, they're all of a sudden 2-7. and And you look at the Ravens, who lead the division at 6-2. and two. They got the Bengals, which you know is a pretty much a sure win. The next thing you know, they're going to be five games back in the division. And at that point, they're not going to have any way out. Yeah, but see, you have to understand, man. Like, it all depends on how many wins that you have against your division opponents. Like, you can win. They can still win their division. I mean, like, they still they still have all their, their division games uh, coming down the stretch, man. I think... 
you know, Cincinnati's are definitely a winnable game. Having Pittsburgh, like I said, um, in, in, in two of the three weeks uh, of a stretch, they, they play them at home and then they play Miami and then go on the road to Pittsburgh. Having familiarity with a team that close together gives you an opportunity to be able to beat them twice as well as um, having already beaten the Baltimore Ravens and you get them at home, you feel confident about that team moving forward. We've seen this in the past where there's teams like the uh, St. Louis Rams when they were in St. Louis and having a 7-9 and nine record, I believe, or it might have been the Tennessee Titans having a 7-9 and nine record and still making the playoffs. I mean, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely doable, man, and I think at this point in time now, Cleveland, they, if, as long as you can get one game going, then you can start to put a streak together. Um, I've been in that situation before, being under 500 without Aaron Rodgers, and we had to pull some things together. And um, and we got him back, luckily, the last game of the year against Chicago in order to get into the playoffs. But just battling through that adversity, man, any team can do anything if they put their mind to it, man. You just got to get one win under your belt. Two things to that point that you just made, Jarrell. Pittsburgh, I don't know why everybody's talking about them as cupcakes, man. I mean, they, they got something going there. I know Mason Rudolph, the guy doesn't look the greatest, but that defense in Pittsburgh has turned the corner with Cam Hayward and Minka Fitzpatrick. And on top of it, I expect Baltimore to continue rolling. So I understand that, yeah, Cleveland, they still have a lot of their divisional games out in front of them. But I don't know, man. Right now, it just looks like that ship may have sailed in Cleveland now. Of course, as you said, we'll see what happens on Sunday against Buffalo because it has to start there to see if how the Browns respond to all the circus, the noise that's just generating in Berea, Ohio. So nonetheless, it is a disappointment for Cleveland and their fans. I can see they're so upset over this team and there's high expectations, but a lot of work to be done for the Browns to even be in contention for a wild card spot, much less their division. But let's go ahead and move on now here, Jarrell, to the next topic. And it has to do with another organization and a franchise that they are just at rock bottom. Adam Gase, the Jets, they lost to the Dolphins on Sunday, giving them their first victory of the season. So here is the statement. The Jets must act fast and fire head coach Adam Gase, despite it being his first season in New York. Yeah, it just seems that there everything is really. Uh, I would give it fact. I mean, I think every it's just been a dysfunctional organization from top to bottom, from ownership to GM to head coach. Um, they didn't necessarily know what their GM wanted to do. They allowed him to stay at long enough to be able to fire him after driving uh, some successful guys. And I think at the end of the day, it's very. It's a very tough situation out there um, in New York. Um, I think personally, he's lost uh, communication with the team. I think from I think as far as the general manager goes, he's lost communication with the team, and it shows, man. It shows within their play. It shows within their effort. Uh, we have a, a, a once in a generation type player, and Le'Veon Bell have so much success um, in Pittsburgh to where. It literally seems like he could uh, do no wrong when the ball is in his hands, and I mean, he's been. Um, I mean, just a shade of himself, a shadow. I mean, a, a, and as far as being in this Jets offense, and it and it just looks terrible. When you look at the other the other quarterbacks, uh, you know, Sam Darnold had an opportunity to come back and have some success. He had some success in his first game back against the Cowboys, and it was a really big hoorah at that moment in time. And we wanted to pat the Jets on the back and say, "Hey, they're finally getting it going. They have their quarterback. They want to have an opportunity to compete in this division." 
But then once you see them uh, moving forward, man, they had, I mean, Sam Darnold looks terrible. He he doesn't look like he's prepared uh, week in and week out. I don't necessarily know how he goes into the week studying and his preparation. But when he just goes out into the field, man, he just doesn't necessarily seem to know what's going on. When you look at the other quarterbacks that uh, Adam Gase has coached, when they when he was the head coach down in Miami, they didn't necessarily have the, su- the success that they wanted to have. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was traded, uh, was released. Uh, now he's having success with the, with the Tennessee Titans, um, having a completion percentage of, uh, of almost 72 percent and a, a career best passer rating of, of, ni- of 99.7. Man, and, and like you look at that and then you compare it to what the other quarterbacks have done under uh, Adam Gase, man, you just you have to understand, man, that he might be a good offensive coordinator or or or, or a player's coach. Uh, but as far as a head coach running the organization, he seems to just be falling by the wayside. I'm going to say fact two. I think the Jets, they need, to, they need to move quickly. They need to get rid of Adam Gase. He's clearly has lost the fan base, that's for sure. You look at the reactions. People want Gase out of there. He looks clueless. I mean, how can you face the media after putting out another atrocious performance against the winless Dolphins and saying, yeah, that stuff doesn't embarrass me. That loss doesn't embarrass me. It's part of the NFL. Sure, I can understand that to an extent, but when there's a long track record of poor performances, poor preparation, there's just not any spark, not any momentum. You alluded to the big old victory against the Cowboys and you know, that was a, a big triumph for the Jets and everybody, including myself. I said, man, Darnold's back from mono and maybe they got something going. They got Le'Veon Bell. You talked about him and he's an all-pro running back and he's been a non-factor there in New York and a lot of it has to do with the offensive line. And But man, you look at the stats. The Jets, they're averaging an NFL low 12.0 points per game. They're one of the league's most penalized teams. They drew 10 more flags on Sunday against Miami, and they're the only team in professional football averaging fewer than four yards per offensive play. So if you let that sink in a little bit, that is uh, pretty terrible for an NFL team that has that type of talent. I mean, you got guys on New York's offense like Jamison Crowder, Robbie Anderson, a deep threat, Chris Herndon, who's working his way back from injury. So... There's no excuses about Adam Gase and what he hasn't been able to accomplish in New York. And so yeah. Joe Douglas, man, the GM there in New York, he was hired after Ryan McCagnin. So I'm just curious to see what that dynamic is like between them and, and if Douglas would be willing to fire Adam Gase. Uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, there's definitely some dysfunction there, man. And it shows, you know, when there's just not really uh, – you know, on the same page as far as head coach and organ and, and, you know, the management up top, man, I've seen it before. I've been a part of debacles like that, you know, uh, obviously being in Buffalo with, with the disconnect between um, the guys upstairs and Rex Ryan and, and, um, you know, and Doug Whaley and those guys, they were great people. You know, they gave me an opportunity to play, but you know, when there's a dysfunction there, man, it, it, it trickles all the way down to the players and you can see it week in and week out with this team and their preparation and the way they approach the game and the intensity that they play with. I think um, Adam Gates, they, they have to work, they have to move quickly, man, so they can always, so they can go ahead and silence the critics and go ahead and silence all the speculation about what the, where this team is headed. And they have to get somebody in there that can develop Sam Darnold in a way that they want to, to progress in the future because he has the talent in order to do so. But it's just, you know, when you have a guy that doesn't, you know, 
elevate his game, then you have to look at the coach, man. When, you, when the guy's coming in and competing and trying to do everything correctly, then I think at the end of the day, the next person you have to point your, your point the finger at is the, is the coach uh, that's coaching that position. One head coaching candidate that got some consideration for the Jets before they went with Adam Gase was your former head coach in Green Bay, Mike McCarthy, and a lot of people liked him because of what he could do with Sam Darnold. So knowing Mike McCarthy, Jarrell, do you think that should the Jets fire Adam Gase, do you think he would be worth a look there for the Jets? Absolutely. I think uh, Mike McCarthy is a phenomenal coach. I understand that his time in Green Bay had to come to an end, but he did uh, – he did bring this team a Super Bowl. He was he had an opportunity to, to develop one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And at the end of the day, um, I think he brings a certain continuity, a certain uh, a certain prestige to the to the job that uh, that Adam Gates does not bring. And you know, when he comes in, he's all about business. He's all about statistics. I've been in his organization for three for three years. Um, just learning from his mindset. He's a guy that comes in. He worries about the stats. He worries about the efficiency and how we play. The cleaner the game, uh, the the more the more opportunities you have to win the game. And so he believes in basically penalty free, uh, being mind sound and uh, body being on the field. And and I think at the end of the day, he would be a great candidate for that for that opportunity if that if that comes about for the Jets. We'll see definitely what happens there in New York. It looks like Christopher Johnson still standing by Adam Gase to this point, but things are getting uglier by the week, so that is a topic to keep an eye on. But here's the next topic here. The Jaguars, they went with Nick Foles. Head coach Doug Marone announced at a presser that Nick Foles will indeed be their starter coming out of their Week 10 bye against the Indianapolis Colts next Sunday. Over Gardner Minshew, the rookie six-round pick who – had some good play for Jacksonville during Nick Foles' absence when he suffered the broken collarbone in week number one. So here's a statement. The Jaguars made the right decision in naming Nick Foles the starter for week 11 over Gardner Minshew. I would have to say fact with that. I think, you know, when you look at Nick Foles' track record, especially coming back from injury, uh, we know what he's what he has opportunities to do. Um, we know that he's a big-time quarterback, and he knows the right place to make in the system um, to run it. And I think, you know, Tom Coughlin coming down from the top, you have to make a decision that you have to go with your veteran quarterback. He knows that he's been in this situation before, and he's played Eli all the way through and through, and you have to go with your guy, man, that, that has a, a, the, the most uh, proven track record in order to be successful. I mean, they're – they're not out of it. They're standing, they're standing there at four and five. Um, they're only a, a few games back of the Houston Texans. And I think, you know, they have every opportunity to win this division. I think this division is still up for grabs. I don't necessarily think that there is a, a leader in this division yet. Um, you know, Houston's playing well. They're up and down. But Tennessee continues to show me things each and every week. So um, I, I think that they make the right decision with Nick Foles going uh, down the stretch. I say fact as well. I think Nick Foles, they paid him that big old contract, four years, $88 million for a purpose. I understand a lot of fans are upset there in Jacksonville because Gardner Minshew played very well. Now, of course, that horrible game against Houston on Sunday in London did not leave a good impression on Marone and Tom Coughlin. But when you look at what Minshew was able to do, 4-4 four and four as a starter, throwing for 2,285 yards, 13 touchdowns, 4 interceptions, 
also tacking on 235 yards. But here's the thing is he fumbled the ball 11 times, Jarrell, lost seven of those. And as we know, we're seeing Daniel Jones, another rookie quarterback that's struggling with ball security and holding on to the ball in, in the pocket. So that clearly was something that the Jaguars saw in Minshew and said, hey, we got a guy like Nick Foles who won a Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, has this calming factor about him, can come in. And by the way, he was moving the offense really well in week one before he went down with that injury. And so I think that that was the right decision. Nick Foles is your guy. That's the commitment that Jacksonville made to him when they signed him in free agency. You're right. I mean, four and five, they're on a bye week. They're very much in it in the division. Still a lot of football to be played. So I think Nick Foles, man, I'm excited for him. I've always been a fan of him. You look at how humble he is and everything he did to help Gardner Minshew when he was out with that collarbone injury. So I'm hoping that Foles can find some success there in Jacksonville. Absolutely, uh, Isaac. Uh, Nick Foles, man, is phenomenal. I've been a fan of Nick Foles. He's a he's a uh, former Michigan Stater that transferred to out to Arizona. I've always been a big fan of him. A uh, big fan of his uh, ever since that ever since that time and. Um, you, you're right, man. He does have a calming factor when he comes into the locker room, when he comes into the huddle. Um, he's he, he's a guy that acts like he's been there several times before, and he continues to make the right play. He's gutsy. He knows the right calls to make. And, uh, you know, you could sell you could tell that he's going to have an opportunity to be um, aggressive in this offense. You know, having a, the offensive line sold up, having Leonard Fournette doing what he continues to do week in and week out. Um, now you can have the play action game work effectively because now you have to worry about the big arm. You have to worry about the big talent that they have pushing down the field. And I think this is just going to help generate their offense um, even more. You know, having a bye week definitely uh, continues to, to help the continuity with this offense. And I think, you know, next week coming out, they're going to have an opportunity to have a lot of success. A lot of people also forget that the Jaguars offensive coordinator is John DeFilippo, who was the quarterback's coach in Philadelphia when Nick Foles went on that Super Bowl run. So there is a lot of familiarity, and I think we're going to see some new wrinkles in Jacksonville's offense now that Foles is back because those two, they are on the same page. They know each other well, the strengths, the weaknesses. So we can expect to see some more juice coming from that Jacksonville passing attack and some more continued success from Leonard Fournette. So we'll see how that shapes up Nick Foles. Getting back there for the Jaguars. Now the final fact fiction segment before we get into our week 10 game picks. It's Cam Newton. Big news coming on Tuesday. So these two stories hit really close within each other. But Cam Newton, after seeing two specialists, has decided to go to season-ending injured reserve with a Lisfranc foot sprain. So here is the statement. Cam Newton's tenure in Carolina is over following his move to injured reserve. I had to really struggle with this uh, decision. Um, I want to say fact, uh, just because of the simple fact, it's, it's, a, it's a league that's always impressed with what's right now. And I think with what they're asking Kyle Allen to do and they're giving them the success that it's giving them the success that they asked for, um, I think that they're going to have they're going to give him an opportunity to take over the reins. I don't necessarily think that 
that they're going to, I don't necessarily think that they would uh, give up on Cam, but it makes the decision tough. If this team moves forward and they, and they compete well and they get deep into the playoffs, then I think that, they're, that, that that topic is definitely up for discussion. His defense plays well. Christian McCaffrey gives you a sense of calm. And Kyle Allen, he's had not, he has nine touchdowns and four interceptions where – um, two, where he's had a, a bulk of those in, in just like two games. He's had he's had two interceptions in one game and two interceptions in another. So it's just very tough for him to to. It's very tough for you to put him to the side, um, having the the type of success that he's having. And I think that you continue to keep moving forward with him. He's con- he's completing sixty percent of his passes, and I think that he's averaging two hundred and fifteen yards for a game. And and you know you were you were zero and eight with Cam Newton before. Now you're competing for you're, now you're competing for a division title and have an opportunity to get a wild card spot. So um, it would be great to see. I'm fifty fifty. I'm, I'm on the fence about this, but I'm gonna go ahead and say fact because you've mentioned it, and I also had James Yehedebo, uh, an NFL Super Bowl champion, on this podcast along with plenty others. And one of the things that you all continue to echo, coming from the players' perspective, which is what I really enjoy, why I like having you on every week, is that. The NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business. And Cam Newton looks like he's had two season-ending injuries the last two years. He's 30 years old. And you look at Carolina, man. Kyle Allen has done really well. 5-1, and 1,291 pass yards, nine touchdowns. He's in his second year with the Panthers, and it comes down to money, as we all know. And you know more than me because you played in the league and you're still active in that uh, NFL. So let's take a look at Cam Newton's contract. He's in the fourth year of his five-year $103.8 million deal. He stands to make a base salary of $18.6 million next season, Jarrell. Now here's the catch. If the Panthers trade or release Newton after this season, they can get cap savings of $19.1 million. So that is a huge okay. decision to yeah. make for Carolina. Yeah, I think when you look at it, uh, when it comes down to finances, you know, and, and you're, the reason, that's one of the main reasons why I kind of want to be a general manager because it's so, it's so cool to be in behind the scenes and have an opportunity to look at the roster, fill things out, understand that you're going to have to make some tough decisions. But when it all works out for the good and you have an opportunity to put that team together uh, and win a Super Bowl, it would be it's an excellent thing, man. And and for Carolina, if you can save 19 million, I think he's in the same situation that Gerald McCoy was in this past year when they had an opportunity to save at uh, 14 million dollars without any without any money counting against them. And so. When you have an opportunity to clear space like that, and you have to, you have a chance to use that money for foreseeable assets and, and younger guys and and uh, players that can surround uh, Christian McCaffrey in order to be successful. I think, man, uh, you you have to look at it. This defense is going to continue to be playing well. They, I think, they have enough guys in their stable to continue to, to play this this effectively uh, for years to come. They re-signed Eric Reed last year, um, having Luke Keekley, and their defensive line just continues to keep performing at a high level and so i mean i i, I why not man if, if you have opportunity to move that type of money 20 million dollars per se and spread that out amongst um some guys that can bring you some uh a- some active receivers in order to help kyle allen out and and you know to improve their offensive line i think that it would be spectacular to do man and and cam newton deserves the opportunity to win i think he's had a, he's had a chance in carolina for so long everybody knows him everybody loves him but, man, I, I think, you know, if you have an opportunity to, to sign somewhere else where you can dictate 
uh, the future. Um, you know, me personally, I would say the Chicago Bears with the elite defense that they have, uh, the uh, Los Angeles Chargers with the with the defense that they have, and Phillip Rivers coming up um, at the end of his tenure. I think that those will be two uh, foreseeable spots for him in the near future. And you know, eighteen million dollars to move is is easy money to move now, especially with quarterbacks getting paid thirty million dollars a year. I think eighteen million dollars is 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 easily be do- easily be doable if they want to trade him before uh, before next season. Yeah, and a couple more notes to that: the Panthers. Let's not forget that they drafted Will Greer in the third round of the 2019 draft out of West Virginia. So that may help their decision to move on from Cam Newton as well. And of course, Kyle Allen, I mean, when you're 5-1 and one and we'll see how he finishes off the season, he has the Panthers in position to potentially land a wild card spot there. I find it hard to believe that they'll catch the Saints in the NFC South, but nonetheless, they're in the thick of it in that wild card race. When you talk about moving Cam Newton, I think that makes a lot of sense for a Carolina squad that wants to get younger. Their defense, they clearly have invested in it. But when you look at potential landing spots for Cam Newton, I know you talked about the Chargers and the Bears. The Bears seem to be the most talked about destination. I was doing some research on this topic. The one team that I feel would be the most ideal landing spot for Cam Newton that is not being talked about is the Tennessee Titans. You know, a lot, a lot of well, people... Why did I just... Hey, okay, Lottie, why did I just think that you were about to say them? I was sitting there like... <laughs> hey, hey, man. Hey, go ahead, man. We're, go ahead, buddy. That's why, that's why we're good partners, because I was sitting there like, man, he's definitely... Was, he's got to go with Tennessee. Hey, bro. man, that's why we, we already <laughs> know each other's philosophies, bro. That's the thing. But, man, I'm telling you, the Tennessee Titans, because I'm thinking if I'm Marty Herney, the GM from Carolina... I don't want to send Cam Newton to another NFC team. I want to get him out of the NFC. So that leaves Tennessee, who, by the way, Marcus Mariota's on his fifth-year deal. He's going to be an unrestricted free agent. He was already benched. Ryan Tannehill's going to be a free agent. And you look at Tennessee's roster infrastructure. Their defense is very stout. Kevin Bayard, Logan Ryan, Malcolm Butler, who, by the way, was just put on season-ending IR, but... Jarrell Casey, and then Jeffrey Simmons, their first-round defensive tackle. Their offensive line's pretty stout. Jack Conklin, Taylor Lewin, Derek Henry, the beast running back, and then two big targets on the outside, and A.J. Brown and Corey Davis, who we know Cam Newton thrives very well with big targets. John U. Smith, that tight end, athletic, who can stretch the field. So, man, why not Tennessee? I mean, why not uh, a team that clearly is always in contention in the AFC South. They're in win-now mode. Dean Pease has had that defense playing very well the last couple of years. So I say the Tennessee Titans, they make an awful lot of sense for Cam Newton. Yes, they do. They uh, that, that that destination definitely seems, um, seems logical, man. I just, I think, uh, you know, it would be a tough, it would be a tough decision for them to have to make. You know, they're, they're still in the thick of it, man. Marcus Mariota's still been kind of up and down, but, you know, they're still within it. Like I said before, they're still in the running for their division. That AFC South division is wide open. They can still string some 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 wins together in order to kind of change their perspective on how they feel about them. And, uh, you know, Tennessee's always kind of been loyal to some of their to, – to most of their guys as far as, uh you know, paying them. And so I think at the end of the day, it will be a tough decision for them to make, uh, you know, trading some – trading uh you know draft compensation for cam newton but i think like i said before i know chicago is is the most talked about team but 
you know, just looking at what they want to do offensively and, and what Matt Nagy's having to go through week in and week out, man, he's struggling to be able to bring the best out of Trubisky. And, you know, I think that, you know, when you look at that team and, and the elite defense that they have on the other side of the ball, you have to try to shake it up offensively. And I, and I haven't seen um, Chicago have anybody, you know, that, you know, explosive offensively, you know, in a long time. And, and especially at the quarterback's position since Jay Cutler, but, I think this brings a different echelon to, to the quarterback position than Jay Cutler did. You and I feel like we have our GM caps on. What would you give up for Cam Newton? You know, would you be willing to give up a one, a two, and a three, a three and a four? I mean, what kind of value do you think Cam Newton's going to hold at 30 years old coming off two season-ending injuries? We know he's an MVP caliber quarterback. He took the Panthers to the Super Bowl in 2016. So how much would you be willing to pay for Cam Newton? And what do you think Marty Herney's going to want to be asking for him from Carolina? I mean, well, if I'm a, if I'm the GM of Carolina, I'm going to try to, you know, obviously put my highest bid out there at the table. And he's going to probably be trying to seek at least at least a first round pick and a second round pick or a first and a third. If I'm if I'm the GM of the Panthers. But if I'm an opposing GM, it all depends on the medical. Um, I'm going to have my experts and my doctors overlook or, or have those guys look at Cam Newton to see whether or not he's going to be able to uh, to progress moving forward, coming off these injuries with the foot. You know, him being a bigger guy, having a foot issue and an ankle issue, man, that that kind of um, raises some red flags for me because, you know, running is what he does best. And obviously, you know, you want to progress, you know, move forward with him as a passer. But you understand what his, his strengths and his weaknesses are. And so when you're when you're going to pay for a guy like that, I think, you know, when I'm the opposing GM, it all depends on the medical for me. If I have if I talk to the to the doctors and I understand that he's he's going to have no limitations moving forward then I make the trade at the highest bid if, if I have opportunity to uh, – to if I'm in a win-now position. But if I'm just trying to build my team, I'm not going to necessarily uh, overhaul uh, the draft picks and, and try to, you know, basically um, go all in on a, on a Cam Newton type of player um, just because I want to continue to uh, progress my team moving forward. But if I'm in a win-now situation and the only thing that's holding me back is a quarterback, um, basically like the Chicago Bears, then I definitely pay the price in order to uh, solidify myself as a contender in, um, in the division and in the conference. Indeed, desperate times call for desperate measures. We've already seen Ryan Pace be aggressive, and it wasn't the right aggressive because he jumped up to get Mitchell Trubisky, and that doesn't look like it's working out. So maybe he goes hard after Cam Newton. We'll see what happens. But nonetheless, that is going to dominate the offseason headlines. I think we can already admit that, Cam Newton and his uncertain future in Carolina. But here we go. Game picks now. Week 10. We start on Thursday night. The Chargers 4-5. The Oakland Raiders 4-4. Four and four, Both teams very much in the mix there in the AFC West. This is a primetime slot. I'm going to go ahead and take the road team, the Chargers. I, I'm going to stand by them. I've been very consistent about L.A. Chargers and the talent they have on this team. It finally looks like that offense has kicked it back into high gear. They fired Ken Wisenhunt ahead of uh, Sunday's game against the Packers. Give me them to win a tight one, 23-20 over the Raiders. I look to see how Bosa and Ingram are going to go up against that Oakland offensive line that has two mammoths at offensive tackle, Trent Brown and Colton Miller. But give me the Chargers in a narrow victory. 
Not so fast, my brother. I'm telling you, the Oakland Raiders have something to say. They have finally figured out their formula. Uh, John Gruden is trusting in the big guys up front. I mean, you mentioned Trent Brown, but you also forgot my guy, Richie Incognito, who's been phenomenal this year. Um, you know, he's been flying under the radar, but, but still performing at a high level. I think if they have their formula, they're going to come in and try to run Jacobs at least 25 to 30 times in this game. Um, the Chargers are phenomenal at their pass rush, and I don't think that they're going to be putting Carr in, in tough situations in order for them to uh, give uh, Bosa and Ingram the opportunity to pass rush freely. And I just think that they're just going to run the ball extremely well, and I have them squeaking out a win 20-16 to 16, um, in, in the black hole. And could we see a revenge game from Tyrell Williams facing off against his former squad there in the L.A. Chargers? It's going to be good on good on the outside. Casey Hayward going up against Tyrell Williams. Williams has been very successful for Oakland in their offense, so I'm also looking forward to seeing how that shapes up. I like it. I think I think that it's going to be a phenomenal matchup. I always like to root for my guy Casey Hayward because we were both Draft picks together in Green Bay. He's a phenomenal person, phenomenal player. So I always root for him when it comes to uh, personal matchups. But at the end of the day, I think that the Oakland Raiders, are their formula in order to win this game is to get Derek Carr in a lot of third and manageable situations to move the chains and to run this football as much as they can in order to slow down this pass rush of Ingram and Bosa. All right, so you got the Raiders. I got the Chargers in a close one. So next game here, we got the Lions, 3-4-1 at the Chicago Bears, 3-5. and five. Now, Jarrell, this is going to be the breaking point for the Bears if they lose another game and they see another treacherous, underwhelming performance from Mitchell Trubisky. This is at Soldier Field. Can the Bears right the ship against a very sneaky Detroit Lions team? Yeah, this is very tough for me because, you know, Detroit has the offense in order to be successful. I, I find week in and week out, they keep finding ways to score. And uh, Patricia keeps finding ways to, to, to limit um, an offensive attack on the other side. And so uh, I think it was very tough for me. Um, I want to give Chicago – I want to give Chicago the nod. But I, I'm going to go with Detroit, man, with the upset. And I think it's going to be uh, very treacherous for them um, just because they have the special teams with Prater at, at, at field goal kicker. And you know how Chicago's woes are when it comes to kicking field goals. So I always say, so I'm going to go with Detroit, man, uh, 20 to 17 in, um, in, the, in the Windy City. Man, Jarrell, I'm telling you, bro, you and I are like on the same page a lot of these matchups. I got the Lions winning. This was a tough one for me to choose as well. But Detroit, I like Matthew Stafford. He's in a good rhythm. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones, those guys are playing at a very high level. And at the end of the day, it comes down to me not having the confidence in Mitchell Trubisky in this offense to score enough. The defense is going to get tired again as they have been, and Detroit's going to walk away with the victory. 27-17 over the Chicago Bears. I think that should be a pretty good game as well. We'll go to the next one here, the Ravens, 6-2, coming off the dominant performance over the New England Patriots, taking on the Bengals. 0-8, new quarterback there in Cincinnati, Ryan Finley, the rookie. They're benching Andy Dalton, so we'll see. He's going to have a tough test going up against Earl Thomas in that secondary. Give me Baltimore in a blowout, 31-13. And how about three turnovers coming from Ryan Finley in his debut? Oh, my God. They throwing him to the wolves. Like, I know they had a bye week, but at the end of the day, you got a team that's coming off a huge win against the Patriots. 
I understand that it's an 0-8 team in Cincinnati. You're on the road. It could be the ultimate trap game. But John, uh, these guys, man, Harbaugh is going to have these guys ready to play. They're going to they're gonna go out there and continue to continue, uh, to uh, be aggressive. I have them dominating 41-10, to 10, just, like they did back, just like they did back in the day against Miami. I think it's going to be a, a phenomenal game to see. And uh, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, they signed my guy DeAnthony Thomas out there in Baltimore. So I'm excited to see what Greg Roman comes up with in the uh, offensive package for a guy that's so explosive. Shout out to my guy DA and uh, go out there and ball, man. Next matchup here, the Bills 6-2 and two at the Browns 2-6. and six. We talked a little bit about this one. This is at the Dog Pound. Jarrell, I get the sense that you're going with the Browns, but let's go ahead and hear it from you. So who are you taking? Man, see this. I'm trying to tell you. I got I, for some reason, man. I have, I have Cleveland winning this game. I don't know why because Buffalo. These are my boys, and at the end of the day, they have been playing spectacular. I just feel, I just feel something is going to have to shake for this Cleveland Brown team. I just don't think that they have. I think with so many good players on their team, they have to pull it together and find some way. I think they get up for this game. I think they're going to be hyping the dog pound. Uh, Buffalo always comes with an amazing fan base. Uh, but I think that they're going to squeak out a win 23-21. Um, to 21. Uh, Wrong. I'm going with ah. the Bills, man. Uh, I, I like this Bills team. <laughs> Bro, look, this is going to be a really tight game. The Browns, I almost feel that same. I don't know what it is. I feel something in me that... They're going to flip a it's switch on. It's going to be on. some trick plays. Yeah, They're going to have a lot of trick plays. Like, it's going to be trick plays. To be the defense To be the defense that's that elite, you have to just throw, like, Odell coming out and doing a flea flicker. Like, he's going to do something. You know what I mean? You know how the Browns are rolling. But they're going to try to – they're going to have to figure it out. And Nick Chubb, I think this is a game where he can go off for 150 yards because the Bills, as out of a defense that they have been, they've struggled stopping the run. We just saw what AP did to them going for over 115 yards. I think Cleveland has the DNA to win this game, but I'm still going to go with the Bills 26-24 in a close one. I don't think there's a team right now in the NFL that is getting as much heat as those Cleveland Browns. Man, I I mean, if you think about it, they got hard knocks. They had everything, you know, going for them. I mean, I feel like the team that's always on hard knocks never does well. Like, I just feel like every yeah. time like, the team that ever gets hard knocks, like, I think that's why one of the Green, the Green Bay Packers never, every time they ask them to do it, they always decline. Like, no, we do not want that. Like, every time that the team is on hard knocks, they do terrible. But, I mean, it all comes down to Baker Mayfield and his confidence level. I think that, you know, I, they have the opportunity, like, they have a team and a chance to compete. They have the weapons there in order to get it done. Buffalo against the run has not looked well. They have a formula to where, like, like I said, like with Baltimore, they have to try to get these teams in, in like third, like a lot of third and short situations. And then you got to have to, you're going to have to find a way to pull the trigger on a lot of trick plays, man. You have nothing to lose at this point, man. You have, they're going to be pulling out all stops. They have to find a way to win this game. And I think that you're going to see uh, a really good uh, offensive game from Freddie Kitchens, especially, yeah, I mean, I think I think his back is against the wall, man. So you have to you have to really uh, think about it. His, uh, you know, his back is against the wall, so you're gonna have to really, uh, he's gonna have to really come up big. 
Here's the next matchup, the 5-3 Carolina Panthers going to Lambeau Field to take on the Packers 7-2. The Packers are coming off a horrible performance against those Los Angeles Chargers, but they're back at home in Lambeau. Why should I even ask you who you're going to pick, but who, who are you going to roll with? Are you going to roll with your Packers here? I'm going to switch up on you this time around, man, and I'm actually going to take Carolina just on the sole fact that a lot of teams are starting to prove you know, what the formula is against the Green Bay Packers. You know, I think Carolina performs very well against the run. They have the the, the linebackers to be able to run with guys like Aaron Jones. Luke Keekley is, is extremely fast, and he'll be able to cover um, Aaron Jones out the backfield. They have the continuity, and their defensive line is going to be better than Green Bay's offensive line. And so I actually take Carolina in this game in a very close one, 27-24. Um, I think it's going to come down to like a last second field goal um, in that regard. I always want to root for Mason Cross because he's a, he's a really good guy, owns one of the pheno most phenomenal yogurt shops you'll ever get um, up in Green Bay. Oh, fun but, fact right there. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, man, I think, I think at the end of the day, man, Carolina has some things rolling. I think Kyle Allen is going to uh, continue to keep uh, – continue to keep progressing. I just don't see anybody on Green Bay's defense that's going to have an opportunity to stop uh, Christian McCaffrey. Man, I was really hoping you are going to go with the Packers so I could oppose you again with an upset special, but I got the Panthers winning this one. Dude, I'm telling you, our score lines are like really close. I have the Panthers winning 27-23, so I was about to burst out laughing when he said 27-24 Carolina. <laughs> but, uh, man, I think you said everything I was going to say. The Packers, they struggled stopping rushing attacks, man, and they have a bad man coming to town and Christian McCaffrey who has been unstoppable. In fact, I look for him to total 200 yards from scrimmage. That is a guarantee yeah. right there, both in the pass and the run game going up against Green Bay. They're going to dominate the time of possession. They're going to be able to come up and stop Aaron Jones and limit Aaron Rodgers on the outside. So give me Carolina 27-23. But we're going to move on here to the Chiefs at the Titans. Now Patrick Mahomes, we're not sure if he's going to play or not, but they're going to go face a Tennessee team that they're in a very desperate situation as well, backed into a corner, four and five. They need a win. I don't see them getting it. I have Kansas City winning 20 to 16. But man, you called it on the podcast last week. But what a sensational performance from Matt Moore and Andy Reid to knock off those Vikings, man. I mean, Andy Reid just done a phenomenal job. Absolutely. I keep telling you, man, Andy Reid, for some reason, I don't know what it is. He is like the calmest guru there is when it comes to the offensive game plan. Um, he continues to come up with, with different ways to get guys to football. They found some success last week in running the football. Um, I think that Tennessee's doing well up front as far as their rush defense, but Matt Moore continues to, to, to provide a, um, uh, he continues to provide a calm for this team, man. I, he's a veteran guy that's been around a long time, and he continues to keep shining, man. And and it's so it's so phenomenal to see. I think I've got a, a statistic here uh, from CBS Sports, man. He's um, you know he's he's completing sixty percent of his passes, um, no no interceptions up to this point. And so I think at the end of the day, he continues to keep getting better. And you have to you have to uh, you have to believe in a guy like that. So I so I have Kansas City. Um, winning this one 24 to 18 and uh, trying to continue to get better 
um, having Chris Jones back and, and uh, having the impact that he's had. Yeah, so we're both going with the Chiefs here. Now these next uh, four matchups, they're pretty lopsided, so we'll go ahead and just give our picks until we get to the 325 and primetime games here. But we got the Falcons 1-7 and seven going on the road to take on the Saints 7-1. and one. Drew Brees is back for a second straight game. I look for the Saints to blow out the Falcons 37-20. Now I think the Falcons will get a garbage time touchdown and make it, you know, 17-point deficit. But the Saints, they're firing in all cylinders. Coming out of a bye week, they get Alvin Kamara back. The Saints are going to have a whole lot to celebrate on Sunday. Absolutely, Isaac. I think, man, the Saints are going to be celebrating. They're going to be doing their dance, getting their crawfish ready to go. Um, it's going to be a, a, a definitely, uh, it's going to be like Mardi Gras down there, man. I mean, you got the Atlanta Falcons one and seven. They're not ready to play. Matt, uh, Matt Ryan has looked awful. Um, Devontae Freeman has looked awful. Um, I don't necessarily know if he's healthy or not. He just doesn't look the same Freeman as he did the Super Bowl run. And, um, New Orleans has, has got their man back, both their men back. So, I mean, they're firing on all cylinders, um, at this point in time now. So I have them winning 31 to 14. All right, now we get Tang Bull 2.0, Jarrell. We got the Jets and the Dolphins last week, and now we get another astonishing, highly anticipated battle of New York, the 2-7 and seven Giants and the 1-7 and seven Jets. Man, this game, you better stop what you're doing, bro, and you got to watch it, man. I know you're already hyped. I can sense it from you on the other end of this phone conversation, but give me <laughs> the G-Men. 19 of 13 in a field goal fest. Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold, they're going to go at each other. But when it comes down to it, the Jets have just been a little bit more awful than the Giants. So I'm going to give the Giants the nod here. I'm going to go with the Giants as well. But uh, I personally think Sha- uh, Saquon is going to like rip the stage. I think he's going to have a phenomenal day uh, in MetLife. I'm always excited to get him, uh, get a chance to watch him. So I say he goes off with four touchdowns. Um, I have them dominating uh, 28 to 10. I think the Jets just look terrible. And um, the Giants continue to compete, man. My homeboy, Benny Fowler, out there, man. And shout out to my guys, Cody, Cody Lattimore, man. You guys continue to keep balling. So I got the Jets. I mean, not the Jets, but I've got the Giants um, dominating this game, man. Yeah, and maybe Adam Gase will get canned after another awful performance. So we'll see how that shapes up. They're, they got to call him an Uber. They got to call him an Uber. He got to go. <laughs> he may not have himself a ride back to the facility there. We'll see how that goes out. But here we go. Another one. Cardinals 3-5-1 at the Buccaneers. 2-6. This is a revenge game for Bruce Arians. He's facing his former team, although he's taken about five coaches and six players from his time in Arizona over there to Tampa Bay with them. So it's kind of funny how that's worked out. Jameis Winston, the guy has just been unstoppable. I know he's a turnover machine, but Mike Evans is just having an incredible campaign. I think this is going to be a shootout between Jameis Winston and Kyler Murray. But the Buccaneers, they hang on 34-31. Man, I think this is going to be a high-scoring game as well. We both have the same exact uh, score lines as far as the team winning. Um, I have the Bucks well, uh, as well winning this game. It's crazy to see how, you know, Mike Evans has continued to keep dominating, knowing that he's going to get double team week in and week out, and he continues to keep dominating at a high rate. Um, and Jameis Winston, man, I mean, it's, I don't, it's, it's crazy to see whether or not they're going to extend him at the end of the year and, and give him a big contract. He's a turnover machine. 
but he can still give you like 350 to 400 yards passing on any given night. And like, it's insane to see, it's insane to actually have to go into work week in and week out knowing that like, Hey man, look, this guy might give us three interceptions, but he might give us six touchdowns also. So it's like, you know, it's, it's very tough to see, man, but, um, you know, shout out to Tampa Bay, man. You guys continue to keep, uh, progressing, man. Hopefully you guys can get this win. Shout out my guy, JPP and, uh, his new, uh, his new addition with his son. And, um, so I have Tampa Bay, uh, winning as well. 34 to 31. Dolphins one and seven at the Colts five and three. Jacoby Brissett, he's day to day with an MCL sprain. If he doesn't play, Brian Hoyer will start. And Brian Hoyer looked pretty darn good when he replaced Brissett at Heinz Field. Give me the Colts here, 27 of 14. We know the Dolphins, they're still in full-blown tank mode. And uh, you know this, when your head coach, Brian Flores, there is an article that he told his team not to get airheaded after winning one game. So in other words, the back message is, hey, let's remember the goal here. It's to lose games here so we can position ourselves for a top pick. The Colts, they'll take care of business, bro. So I don't think the Dolphins, I know Fitzmagic has looked incredible the last couple of weeks, but the Colts will take care of business with that ground and pound Marlon Mack to go off for a nice day. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it is so terrible to know that, like, I can't get excited that we finally won a game. We've been getting our tails kicked for seven weeks, and then all of a sudden, like, we win one, and we can't get our, we can't be excited about that and, like, that's that's really um, that's funny to see, man. I think it's you know I think it's hilarious, but you know Brian Hoyer being able to fill in for Jacoby Brissett, obviously, like you said last week, he played. I think he played well. They had some opportunities to win the game, uh, but this is a must. This is a must-win game for them. They have they have no choice but to beat Miami. I think they're going to dominate against Miami. Um, I have them winning in a score of twenty-nine to eighteen. I hope hopefully uh, Fitzpatrick can make it interesting and like have some fun. I think. The only thing that Fitz is probably excited about is they might bring him back next year as the veteran quarterback to the to the already uh, high draft pick that they're saying they're going to uh, spend on Toa if they have that opportunity to pick him. And so it's going to be interesting to see. I think that's the only reason it's keep, it, keep only reason that Fitzpatrick is staying so positive as he is. <laughs> I know, man. I know. He's probably like, man, they're about to bring me back on another one-year deal. I get to be the that's mentor. That's all I need. That's <laughs> all I need. That's all I have, bro. If I know Fitz, bro, Fitz is so funny. He is an amazing teammate. Um, he is all about team and he is uh, the ultimate competitor. So I know for a fact, like it has to, like he has to be licking his chops. Like, yeah, they'll bring me back one more year, one more year in Miami. I can be down here in Brickell hanging out and, and uh, enjoying myself. <laughs> yeah, man, that's for sure. So we're going to go ahead and move to the next matchup here. 425 p.m. Eastern time start Rams 5-3 and three, coming off their bye week, taking on the Steelers 4-4. Four and four. This is in Pittsburgh. The Steelers, they found something defensively. They're probably going to have James Conner back with a strained AC joint he missed last week. I like the Rams in a close one, 21-17. I know Brandon Cooks is probably out for this game because of those concussions, but I like McVay coming out of a bye week. Aaron Donald, I'm not so sure they're going to be able to accommodate him. And Jalen Ramsey there on the outside, he's a difference maker. He'll shut down half of that field. And as I said, the Steelers, 
I don't think they're an easy uh, slouch over opponent, but Mason Rudolph, I'm still not sold on him. He's a check down master, and so I think the Rams are going to be able to go in there, get something going with Todd Gurley on the ground. They'll get a, a pretty tight victory there. I think that they're going to win by at least two touchdowns. I think Aaron Donald's going to have opportunity to come alive. Um, when you get a chance to reset this late in the year, coming off a of bye week, you know going you went deep into the playoffs last year. I think the Rams are going to have opportunity to regroup, find their swagger, um, and this is when they're going to start to uh, make a push. If I'm McVay as their head coach, um, coming off this bye week, I'm telling my guys this is where we have to make our push for the Super Bowl. And so I think that this team is going to be lights out coming into Pittsburgh. Um, I expect them to win by at least two touchdowns. Um, I have them winning in a score of uh, 24 to 10. I think that Aaron Donald is going to have uh, at least two sacks and um, confuse Mason Rudolph a lot. And so um, hopefully they make my prediction uh, correct and I can look like a genius sitting up here. But <laughs> if I'm like, but like I said before, you know, having been in that situation before um, coming off a of bye week this late in the season and you're in it, you're in it, you're having a, a tough division ahead of you this is where uh this is where McVay is telling his guys that he has to make a they they have to make a push uh for their Super Bowl now and um they need Todd Gurley on board to do that and hopefully he gets himself going now for two of the best matchups of week number 10 both primetime games the 6 and 3 Vikings taking on the Dallas Cowboys 5 and 3 Sunday night football Cowboys coming off a win over the Giants. Vikings, they dropped to those Chiefs in Arrowhead on Sunday. So this is a big game here for both sides. Who are you going to take here, Jarrell? Man, you know who I'm taking. Like You know I'm not going with Dallas. Like There's no way. No, I'm just joking. Uh, uh, yes, um, right, man. <laughs> no, nah, nah, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough one, man. I, I, think, I think personally for me, I think that uh, the Minnesota Vikings has the defense, the running, the rush, the run-stopping guys up front in order to uh, to be able to contend with the Dallas Cowboys. If I like any type of defensive line in the NFL to be able to compete with the Dallas Cowboys, it's, it's obviously Philadelphia's defensive line. Um, they they let me down. Yeah, they let me down early in the year. Um, but normally they bring their lunch pail to the table. But also Minnesota with Linville Joseph and those guys. Um, Hunter up front, Everson Griffin, they know how to play the run correctly as well as uh, get to the passer. And um, I really like Linville Do- Joseph in the middle in there. So um, I think Kurt's going to have some success in the play-action pass, and it's going to be a very, very interesting game. Um, I actually, but, I have, but I have Minnesota winning um, late 24-21. Uh, to 21. I think it's going to be an excellent game Sunday night. Hopefully Kirk Cousins uh, continues to keep progressing and throws, throws for over 300 yards passing. And, uh, and him and Diggs are on the same page, man. So uh, make me look good, Kurt. Do your thing. <laughs> and and uh, I have Minnesota uh, squeaking out a win, 24-21. to 21. You're going to be a very disappointed man come next Wednesday, bro. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. Because the Cowboys, they know Kirk. They love Kirk because his time in Washington. The Cowboys absolutely dominated Kirk every time they played him. Now, granted, he's on a very, very talented team in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook, that guy is sensational, yes. what he's been able to do this year. Now, here's a development, Jarrell. No Adam Thielen for Minnesota, so Stephon Diggs is going to have to come out and, and be their leading receiver unless Kyle Rudolph or Irv Smith, the rookie tight end, can help fill the void there. 
We're going to see how this Cowboys rushing attack goes against Minnesota. You talked about those guys, Linville, Joseph, Daniel, Hunter, and then Everson Griffin. And how about those linebackers, Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks? I mean, that that's a front seven that can very well take away Ezekiel Elliott. So I'm going to see how this Cowboys offensive line responds to that and how Dak Prescott can continue to make some throws down the field. But give me Dallas 28-24. I think it's going to be a really close game. So I'm looking forward to that. Sunday night, prime time. And then to close out week 10, we got Monday night, Seahawks 7-2 at the 49ers, who are the only unbeaten team in the NFL right now. Do you think Seattle and Russell Wilson, who is the clear-cut front runner for MVP, do you think they knock off San Francisco on the road? I actually do. I think, you know, like how I picked last week with Baltimore beating New England, I think this is a perfect matchup for the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Um, this is a very tough division game. Uh, we know how the, how the San Francisco 49ers have been playing defensively. Uh, we know what they bring to the table uh, offensively. But I think, you know, with the way that Seattle's been rolling offensively and Russell Wilson, it's very hard to really rule him out, the efficiency in which he plays with, um, not having any interceptions, throwing for four touchdowns last week, overtime win at home, um, you know, especially competing against a guy on the other side who's trying to outbattle you and, and having uh, one hell of a game. Um, it just talks about the poise that he has as a quarterback and um, continues to make strides as the MVP, um, um, the leader for the MVP. And the loss of uh, Quan Alexander is very tough for the San Francisco defense. I think it's going to be a very tough uh, role to have a leader in the middle that they've had uh, that's been roaming the middle and, and running free and having so much fun. Um, he brings a lot of energy to the locker room. I was a teammate of his in, in Tampa Bay last year, and I know what he brings to the table, man. He is a, he's a one hell of a player that you want to have, um, you know, in the in the hole with you, man. Um, and, it, and so at the end of the day, it's going to be a tough loss for this defense, um, losing a leader like that. And so I, that's what that's one of the main reasons why I have uh, Seattle squeaking out a win, 27-24. Yeah, and I know San Francisco, that secondary, you know, they really haven't been tested a lot because of that front seven. You got guys like DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, Solomon Thomas, and Nick Bosa getting after the opposing quarterback. And we saw Kyler Murray. He had a lot of success passing on that secondary there in San Francisco. And so that does worry me a little bit if you're San Francisco because you're facing Russell Wilson, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now, what he's able to do as a mobile quarterback work in and outside of the pocket. And so that pass rush is going to have a harder time trying to contain Russell Wilson. San Francisco has also struggled against the run, and we all know Chris Carson that guy can tote the rock, and he can take people with him as well. Very physical running back. And so I do see some concerns there for San Francisco in terms of stopping Russell Wilson. But I'm still going to take the Niners to win 30-23 to over Seattle. And it's because Jimmy Garoppolo, he, he came out finally of his shell. There was a lot, a lot of people talking about how he hadn't looked very good up to last week's match. And now I know it was Arizona, so it's not like it was a top 10 opponent. But Jimmy Garoppolo, I think he's hitting his stride coming back from that torn ACL. I expect him to have a big day in the past game as well as Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida and the assortment of backs that they have 
But here's one big bonus for San Francisco Jarrell. They're going to get back their all-pro left tackle and Joe Staley, who's missed the previous six games with a fractured fibula, and that's going to help out immensely. So give me the Niners by a touchdown in what should be a very entertaining game between two NFC West foes. Yeah, it's going to be tough, man. I think uh, I personally think Seattle has enough to bring to the table. You know, you have Clowney and, you know, Ziggy Ansa and, you know, uh, you know uh, Bobby Wagner. I, I think that they definitely have enough to bring to the table. I, it's going to be a shootout, though. You know, even though with, with both sides having good front sevens, I think it's going to be a shootout, man. Both offensive – both off, off, <clears throat> both coaches are, are offensive-minded. They have opportunities to spread the ball around. Um, Russell Wilson, you know, having the, the chance early in the year when the, the headphones went out and he was calling his own plays. When you have a guy that's that cerebral in the huddle, I think that it's going to make for an a, a excellent game. And when you have a guru on the other side like Kyle Shanahan and what he's been able to do with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think it's also going to be great. So I don't necessarily think these defenses are going to have that much of an impact unless it's a late down, a late game sack situation, uh, whether it's coming from San Francisco or whether it's coming from Seattle. But I think, I think off, overall, this is going to be a shootout, and it's going to be a great shootout. Oh, and also, let's not forget, man, Josh Gordon may be making his debut with Seattle, so another weapon. That's what, hey, that's what I'm saying. We'll see, man. DK Metcalf as well. It's going to be fun to watch. But here we got a couple of fan questions before we end today's podcast, and this one comes from Elijah. He wants to know, what's one rookie wide receiver that has stood out to you this season? Um, obviously it's DK Metcalf and what he's been able to do, um, you know, out there in Seattle. I think, you know, obviously for me, my question with him is, was he going to be able to run a lot of the routes and, and the NFL routes? Um, you know, obviously in college, there's a lot of RPO situations where, you know, there's, you know, pass and run in the same, you know, in the same game. And so basically he's either running the slant or he's running a goal. He's never, you know, but we've been able to see him run the, a plethora of, of routes on the route tree, you know, whether that's inside digs or, um, you know, in, a, in and outs where he breaks in and then, you know, he breaks back to the outside. And so having the, the nine route always in his repertoire, he's been able to have a lot of success and um, get away from guys on his speed. Um, last week he had the over route that, uh, that was in for a touchdown that was a very uh, pivotal point for their game. And so um, DK Metcalf is, is the one rookie receiver that continues to stand out. And I think he still ha- I think he has the opportunity to make the Pro Bowl this year. Yeah, here's one for me, and I know that there's a lot. I mean, you got Terry McLaurin, Nicole Hardman, Marquise Brown, but one that, that has stood out to me, just considering the circumstances that he's been working with, sad to see that he's done for the year with a knee injury, but how about Preston Williams from Miami? He came undrafted from Colorado State. He had some legal issues. That's why he dropped out. 6'3", big-bodied wide receiver, 32 receptions, 428 yards and three touchdowns on the season. Ryan Fitzpatrick has loved going at Preston Williams. Unfortunately, he suffered a torn ACL on Sunday against the Jets, so he's done for the year. But, man, that's impressive for a guy to come out, face some adversity, and the Dolphins taking a chance on him. We know how bad Miami's been, but for him to continue to thrive and be a dominant red zone force for Miami, I think bright days are ahead for Williams. Absolutely. I think he's been, um, you know, to overcome a lot of adversity like that, to be able to bounce back and to have the, set, to, the type of success that he's been having. Um, it's been great to see, you know, uh, those are definitely, you know, charges that could have, you know, obviously ended his career, ended his football career. And, um, 
you know, it's great to see him have an opportunity to, you know, to rewrite his story and to, uh, to uh, basically uh, put his name in the in the spotlight for uh, for a positive situation more so than a negative situation. Last question here, and this comes from E. Pina. He wants to know: Are the six and three Texans overrated in your opinion? The Texans? Yeah. Um, let's see. It's tough to say, man, because they have a game changer as far as Deshaun Watson goes, and they continue to keep improving offensively. Um, they have a lot of they have some really good deep threats in Kenny Stills and, and Will Fuller. And um, I continue to believe in I continue to believe in Carlos Hyde moving forward. I think he's found um, a home in, 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 um, in Houston and he continues to keep moving forward. I think for me, it's just going to be defensively, you know, secondary. Uh, their secondary has been inconsistent. Um, they've made some trades earlier in the year and they're going to have an opportunity to build some continuity there. But like I said before, with this, when it comes to this division, man, everything is up for grabs. So I've never, I've never necessarily um, saw a leader in this division uh, ever since Peyton Manning. I mean, like it's, I mean, this division has is, is essentially been up for grabs ever since you know Peyton Manning. I mean, I know Jacksonville's had, you know, their one, uh, you know, claim to fame as far as that one year that they had a few, a couple years ago. But um, essentially, man, this division, division has always been up for grabs. And so, you know, the Houston Texans can have some, some bumps along the road. I think for me, the question is their defense and, th- and that they can s- consistently um, have a pass rush moving forward and moving deep into the season. And, uh, and if they have an opportunity to get a wild card spot, if they can uh, generate a pass rush there. But, I mean, offensively, they have everything that they need in order to be successful. For me, the question is the defense. So um, I would kind of have to say 50-50 as far as the overrated, underrated, uh, because they kind of – they have uh, – when you have to look at two different perspectives, man. Offensively, they're elite. Defensively, they're kind of average. I'll say they're overrated, man, just because I still think the Colts are the best team in that division. And I like Deshaun Watson. The guys had a, an MVP caliber season as well. But, yeah, that defense is what concerns me. The secondary, they've dealt with a lot of injuries this year. And so, you know, kudos to them. They've been able to overcome some of them. They got a big win against the Jaguars in London. But we'll know really soon – how legit the Texans are because coming off their bye week this week, they got to go take on those Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. So we'll see just how good they are when they have to go up against a formidable opponent in Lamar Jackson and what they got brewing there with John Harbaugh. So that's going to do it for week 10 of the NFL podcast here on the Pro Football Chase podcast. Jarrell, again, I appreciate your time joining me, chiming in with that player perspective, and I'm looking forward to seeing some good football action this weekend. Man, absolutely, Isaac. Man, I think it's been a phenomenal week this week. We got a great, uh, a great set of games coming up. A lot on the line this week between a lot of different teams uh, from a lot of different conferences and divisions. And so, we'll see. Uh, you know, who bring their lunch pail to the table. And uh, as I said before, man, it's always a pleasure to have an opportunity to be on the show and to con- continue to keep talking about the game that I love so much, man. So, thank you again. All right, bro. Take care and God bless. All right, you too. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.